Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Extra Sauce Podcast. It's my fancy sauce. I want some fancy sauce. Yeah. I'm not done using it. With the czar of sauces, Greg Hill. You know how Maddie and Nick have shower beers? Yeah. I think we're going to be able to outdo them on Extra Sauce because... I have this audio of Larry King. You know, Larry King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the king of of ex-wives. Natick, go ahead. (laughs) You're next on the Larry King Show. Yeah. But I have this audio of legendary talk show host Larry King discussing recently that he used to smoke shower cigarettes. What? I don't know. Yes. Now, I don't know how- what? In the shower? Yes. Wow, I was a heavy smoker, but I never smoked in the shower. Yeah, he was smoking three packs a day. He just had he just had the uh, lung surgery oh, procedure thing. Surprising, um, but but how many? What, what what's the most you got up to? Fifty. Fifty. I would smoke two packs of uh, twenty five packs of Marlboro Reds a day. A day. I'd oh, start in the morning. Really? First thing, roll out of bed. Yeah. Sit up. Light a smoke. <laughs> light up a butt. Yep. But I wasn't so bad that I'd smoke in the shower. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> shower <laughs> cigarettes. Yes. Here's uh, Larry King. I smoked for 30 years from age 18, 17 to age 53. Tell you the truth, the day That's of the great. heart attack, I never smoked again. Really? And I smoked three packs a day. I Wait, hold on a second. Rewind. 60. 60 cigarettes a day. So when you say you were, you were a smoker, three smoker. packs. I smoked in the shower. So... I just, wow. I just want I wanted Maddie and Nick have shower beers. Right. I wanted extra sauce to have shower cigarettes. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. How do you physically do that? I guess you stand you, in like the corner you, like, of the, you see those people driving around and they have their hand out the window with yeah, their cigarette. Yeah, I'm guessing just, that's it. Oh yeah, okay. The right. hand is out, and the, you can't smoke filterless if you're going to go in the shower because yeah. you, you just you got to you know because you got to have the filter there so you don't want any of that getting wet. I suppose you could just smoke near the smoke detector, and then you wouldn't have to turn the shower on because the 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 water that starts to come down if you get close oh, enough really? to the, <laughs> set off like a sprinkler yeah, system. Yeah, you set off the sprinkler system, and then you don't have to you don't have to waste shower water. Yeah, but then you waste your your butt. You don't want to waste tobacco. You know how that goes. Come on. I wonder if any of Larry's. 14 wives ever walked into the bathroom in the morning and he had fallen asleep in the shower smoking a cigarette. Well, at least he won't catch on fire. Yeah, he'll catch on fire. You think he had an ashtray in the shower like they used to have on the side of pinball machines? Let's ask Peoria. Go ahead. Shower. Shower shower ashtray. Shower ashtray. Wow. (laughs) I'm impressed. Shower ash. Let's get some shower ash. Shower butts. (laughs) Shower butts. Wow. Shower butts and shower beers <laughs> on the Larry King Show. All right. Well, anyway, shower butts. We have 
Well, um, we have a very interesting podcast. By request, later on, we're going to talk to a dream expert. Right. A dream in- interpreter. A dream right. interpreter, because right. that came up on the show this last yes. week, so we wanted to get some extra sauce on what dreams mean and what common dreams are. But before that, I have been talking nonstop about the A&E series, The Murder of Lacey Peterson. And this is a high-profile crime. Scott Peterson, a fertilizer salesman, was accused and then convicted of killing his wife, Lacey Peterson, who was pregnant with their child. And I believe that everybody, including myself, since this happened, has believed that he was guilty of sin. Yeah, I was I mean, one of those people. Yeah. Was. They got, the, he... he, he uh, during the time that they were trying to figure out who did it, turned out that he was having an affair with Amber Fry, and I think everybody pretty much was convinced, including me, that Scott Peterson had done it. However, after watching all five of the episodes so far of the murder of Lacey Peterson, I think Scott Peterson is innocent. I think he's an innocent man that is sitting on death row. And um, the final episode of it airs on Tuesday, which is September 18th, 19th. And we are joined on the podcast by Shireen Anderson, who is the producer and the director of this documentary. And thanks a lot for being on Extra Sauce. Uh, thank you for having me. I have been, I'm obsessed with true crime stuff anyway, but I have, I, I cannot, I have not been able to stop watching. And I, I feel like, and probably this, may, maybe this was the intent. I I, 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 my opinion has changed. I feel like Scott might be innocent. Um, I, I'm hearing that from a lot of people. Um, definitely. Uh, there are a lot of unanswered questions um, about this case, and I feel like we're addressing some of those unanswered questions. And there's new evidence um, uh, that you will see in episode six that you know creates reasonable doubt. Yeah. Um, what made you choose this case? Um, I it, it kind of chose me. I didn't choose it. Um, it was just by chance. Um, I worked on other true crime documentaries, and um, I was I started researching this case, and um, I actually never followed it um, at the time that it happened. Um, and as I was researching it, reading some of the books, watching some of the movies, I, I I felt like there was something didn't sit right with me about the case, and I felt like there were a lot of unanswered questions that needed to be answered. Um, and eventually I got my hands on the trial transcript. So a lot of the misconceptions that I was hearing about in books and movies and in, on, on television, I would cross check and, and look at the trial transcripts and get a completely different picture. I mean, there's, um, there's, so I felt like there was, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a need to, you know, do a deep dive and really look at some of these you know, some of the evidence and, um, and ask more questions about the case. There's not really a a single shred of physical evidence uh, against Scott Peterson. Yes, that's correct. Now, I mean, for him to have killed her and, and, uh, you know, it had to be somewhere else because it couldn't have been in the home. There was nothing in the home. And, And then, 
you know, I, I was just I, I was blown away by the fact that the that that he would do that and then take the body to his office and then start answering emails right, yeah. and, and, and doing work. I yeah, mean, why would he? That, well, yeah. that to me is one of the most shocking things that, that I learned during this documentary. Right. And there are there are other things, too. Um, you know, he was he had just gotten this mortiser tool. Um, and he was, he wanted to assemble it. He wanted to start working on a project and he was trying to figure out how to assemble it. Um, that was another thing that he was doing that morning at the office. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of things that, um, you know, you, you can, you can say, uh, certain things about some of the certain circumstantial evidence that, you know, oh yes, that implies that he's guilty, but there's also, also a reasonable interpretation for, for everything that um, implies innocence and um, you know it's it's you know definitely those that's the way circumstantial cases are um, but certainly I think um, you know at the time there was so much media coverage and yes. so much was being implied you know as in, in terms of guilt and you know before he ever got to trial it was it was very difficult to argue you know, innocence for a lot of those things. Um, so, you know, obviously we're taking, trying, you know, taking an unbiased look at the case, but there are a lot of things, a lot of unanswered questions um, that hopefully, you know, we're addressing. And, um, you know, by episode six, I think people will be really surprised. I feel like Nancy Grace is, is, is doesn't look good in this. And, and, I, and, you know, you mentioned the media pressure, the, the Modesto police, they had, they had to convict him. They had to get, uh, you agree? I mean, they had to, if it wasn't him, they had to find somebody else and they weren't able to find anybody else. So because this, this is one of those high profile cases, one of the first ones that was all over Larry King and all over Nancy Grace, there was so much pressure on the police department, correct? There was a lot of pressure on the police department and, um, you know, all eyes were on them and, um, you know, it's a lot of people feel that they got tunnel vision and, you know, they didn't investigate the disappearance of Lacey. They investigated Scott's guilt. Um, and, you know, the, the Amber Fry just basically provided them, you know, an avenue to, you know, create um, a lot of hate. Yes, right. Scott Peterson. That's what nailed it for um, me. Well, it was. Yeah, yeah. When the, the when Amber Fry showed up, I said, "Oh yeah, he's definitely guilty." Yeah. You know, and then he was caught with his hair dyed and and everything yeah. you need to be on the run. But what switched it for me watching this was I forget which policeman it was said he wasn't trying to hide killing his wife. He was trying to hide having a girlfriend, yes. having a mistress, mm-hmm. and that explained. Because a lot of a lot of people, uh, if you watch this, a lot of people say it's the way he acted. He he didn't act like his he, his wife, vigils, his pregnant he, wife, was yes, missing. Yes, he wasn't, he wasn't panicky. He, was, he wasn't yes. crying. He yeah. wasn't emotional. Yeah. And I think it's because he had to try to hide in plain sight, and that's the really the only way he could react is by acting like yeah, I, you know. I I think that's I think that's true. I think I think there are a lot of things, um, you know, privately, you know, it was said that he 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 was emotional um you know and you know a lot of people said he wasn't looking for his wife and 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 that wasn't true he was actually looking for his wife he was going he was passing out flyers he was at the volunteer center he was trying to strategize with 
with um, volunteers who were looking for hers. You know, he was he was talking to people and passing tips along to the police. Um, you know, so his behavior, I mean, just imagine like being in the spotlight and having, you know, within 24 hours, you know, media camped out in front of your house and everyone's accusing you of, you know, having something to do with your wife's disappearance. Um, so I, I think the stress, the strain was incredible. I can't even imagine what, what that was probably like. The, um, I mean, it's, I understand that sometimes witnesses think that they have seen things, but there are so many witnesses that are either that appear in, in the show or are referenced in the show who saw her walking her dog long after the Scott had gone to work and then had gone fishing. And also several report this violent Con- or at least not violent, but but angry confrontation that she had with the guys who wanted the dog to stop barking. I mean, did you find a mm-hmm. lot of did you find a lot of witnesses who felt like they had legitimately seen Lacey Peterson? Yes, there were there were a lot of um, there were witnesses that were calling um, the Modesto Police Department and and reporting, you know, having seen her, having seen the dog, um, having heard strange things and. Most of those witnesses were not called back. Um, the Modesto police did not follow up, um, which I think is really disturbing. Yeah. And that's, I, that's something that we're trying to highlight. And, and I've gone and talked to some of these witnesses. There are other um, journalists like Ted Rollins, who's in our series. He talked to some of these witnesses, interviewed them, and they were all very credible. You know, it, it, it's, it's just the media really... It looks like the the way the the series goes that the media is kind of at the root of all the questions because they put so much pressure on on the Modesto Police Department. Once they found Amber Fry, they thought we had a fast track to this to get all these all the whole all these press people out of town. Yeah, to to not make us look bad. Yeah, and so they ignored yeah. it. Just you know, and I'm you know I'm not a policeman. I'm not a professional, but it just seems like they they just went with something that they knew was easy. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and and when it comes to a human life or, or a murder, this but then, is you know, he ridiculous. lied. He lied about their, you know, his original interview. He you show his original interview with the police and he lied about Amber, said their marriage was great. But again, I think you can play devil's advocate and say, you know, f- for a guy who's having an affair and all of a sudden his wife disappears, mm-hmm. he knows he's going to be the number one suspect. And he knows that maybe the girlfriend part is going to come out and that's going to convict him. Right. Exactly. And that's and that's what he actually does say that, you know, to that, um, not in those exact words, but, you know, he he knew that as soon as Amber Fry was known to the public and and and, um, you know, the media would start, you know, focusing on Amber and this affair that people would stop searching for Lacey and you know, all eyes would be on him. And that's that essentially true. what happened. And yeah. The volunteer center shut down and people just auto automatically, you know, assumed that he was guilty. And um, that, and that's like led to him running. Well, like, what, what, you know, he you, did. You, what do you, what do you make of all the stuff that he had, you know, that he had, he had dyed his hair and the, he had Viagra in his car and he had cash in his car. Do you think he was going to run when he was playing golf that day? Um, no, actually, I don't think he was going to run. Um, he was actually 
he had he had been sort of leading a nomadic life for a while. I mean, he obviously couldn't stay in Modesto any longer. Um, he had media camped out in front of his house all the time and harassing him. So he, you know, eventually moved down to um, San Diego to be with family, and he was basically staying at different family members' homes and living out of his car. And and one of the things that we don't go into, um, which um, is an important part of, of the case and, and um, is, is the fact that the Modesto police kept confiscating his cars, mm. um, his truck and other vehicles. So he had to rent vehicles. He had to borrow vehicles. He had to, um, eventually he bought, you know, his mom got this red Mercedes for him. That was the one that he was driving when he was arrested. Um, and he had only had it for a couple of days. So, Actually, in, in trial, it turned out that some of those things in the car didn't even belong to him. Like, there was a knife in the car, and actually the previous owner said, actually, that was my knife, and I forgot to remove it. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, so you know, he had camping gear. He had clothing. You know, he was basically, you know, going from family member's home to family member's home. So, um, you know, the day he was arrested, he was actually going to spend time with his family at Torrey Pines Golf Course, which is in north of San Diego. Um, he had changed his appearance because he was constantly being tracked by the media and the tabloids. Um, they always had um, private investigators, you know, trying to find him and so that they could take photographs of him. So it was, it was you know, it, it, he, I, he had opportunity to flee many times, and he didn't. And he didn't. Yeah. 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 So... Shireen, are, are, what was your goal going into this? I mean, was it to have like a Stephen Avery scenario where, you know, this documentary will bring things to light and get him off of, of death row? I, I think it's, I think for me and the other, uh, and my team, it was really to show, um, you know, to, to have people ask questions about this conviction. Um, and, you know, we, we, sh- shown both sides. I mean, there are people who, on in the show that believe he is guilty and is, he's where he needs to be. Um, but, you know, we're other people are questioning the verdict and there's, you know, good reason to question the verdict. Um, and in episode six, definitely um, a, a lot of, you know, some of these qu- questions will be answered. Mm. Yeah, I can't wait now. I know it was so hard. It was I getting was, late last uh, night. And I was like, <laughs> but my wife, my wife's totally addicted now. Is your too. wife? Oh, the, we were yeah. watching it together, and she was like screaming well, and going, "I can't believe that!" Listen, yeah. he's one of those guys. I got to tell you something. He's one of those guys that I immediately thought was guilty. Yeah, so did I. And yeah. and it's because of the way he acted. It was when the Amber Fry thing came out. I'm, I'm exactly yeah. I'm exactly like everybody else, and exactly like the police. However. The police are not supposed to do that, which is, which is right. they're not supposed right. to identify a suspect and then fit the evidence around that suspect to convict him. And they convicted him. He's, he's on death row. So right. uh, it's just, it is very compelling. And um, I think, I've changed my mind. I, I, I think there's an innocent guy sitting uh, on death row. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, if, uh, if he didn't do it, what, do you have any theories about what, about who did kill Lacey? Well, I there there are theories presented in the habeas um, petition, which is basically the the new evidence that is um, was filed with uh, the California uh, 
uh, court system and um, the state is reviewing it currently. Um, you know, there are, there are things that happened that, um, you know, provide possibly some answers. Um, you know, the burglary is definitely um, uh, a possibility that um, something that they're looking into and they yeah. feel like that wasn't thoroughly investigated. The home across the street um, was the home across the street the home, was burglarized. Yes, yes. It was burglarized on the day that she disappeared. Right. Which, I mean, it's a weird it was, coincidence. Yeah. Very weird coincidence. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, those, those are, are questions that um, still need to be answered. Well, it sounds like we're going to get some answers during episode six. Right. And great work by you and your team. It is compelling television. And I say free, Thank you. free Scott Peterson. Wow. Well, you're, you're totally I gotta, turned, I gotta, no, I got to watch. I got to yeah, watch. Come on. We got to watch. We got to watch episode six. Yeah. So. Thank you very much for joining us on Extra Sauce. Well, thank you so much for having me, and, and thank you for watching the show. All right. Can't wait for Tuesday now. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally like. You know, and she wouldn't give up any info no, on it. We need a big reveal. Yeah. We're gonna have a big reveal. On, oh my god! On, uh, on what gets me is that they—it's so many details that could have come out at that time. I know. And well, the, but, but they—but if you—if you believe that sometimes the police make the evidence to fit a mm-hmm. suspect or right. the only suspect that they have, right? Like for instance. If you believe that about Stephen Avery, you brought up Stephen Avery. Right. If you believe that the police just make the evidence fit, mm-hmm. then that stuff wouldn't come up because right. the Modesto police didn't want it to come up. Right. Because in, Scott, in Avery's they, case, the police had a motive. Yeah, right. Because the lawsuit and the millions of dollars and they didn't like the Avery family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this case, I think it was, and I blame the, the if, if he is innocent, I blame the police, but also the press. No, it was the media pressure. That's yeah. why they had to come up with somebody because it was a gigantic, I mean, it was bigger than the Iraq war was going on at right. the time. And it was a bigger story. It was like that. the press was, made America think it was so obvious. Yeah. And so- all the whole country was looking at the Modesto Police Department, saying, "What are you stupid? Yeah, why Arrest can't you guys guy. figure it out? We know he's guilty. He was right. having an affair. We know he's right. He doesn't. He's laughing at a vigil, or he's you know he's got to yeah. be. So it's so it's so interesting. Yeah. So yeah. our dreams. And earlier on the Hillman Morning Show this past week, we discussed dreams. I, I discussed the dream that I have where, and this has nothing to do with being a man who wears glasses, where. I'm I'm in a, a threatening situation and I can't make myself punch the individual who's, right. who's threatening me. I think it started when we were talking to uh, John C. McGinley, and he said, "Oh, I have this reoccurring dream that I'm in a car accident with my yes. kids." Well, and that's then, because Danielle says that he's in a sex. Oh, dream, in a sex that, dream. A sex that's dream how. That yeah. Is. Yes. Oh that's boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we decided to seek out a dream interpreter and give you a little information about what your dreams mean. And joining us now for some extra sauce on dreams is Mary Jo Guadalupe. Thanks for being on Extra Sauce. Thank you for having me. I think one of the weird things that came up during our discussion on the morning show was how many people have similar themed dreams. Right. How does that happen? It's actually quite a few. Um, There are a lot of common dreams like people flying, people falling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, Stuff there was, like that. There was a common dream of not being able to. I mentioned this dream I have sometimes where I need to defend my family or I'm being accosted and uh, and I can't bring myself to punch somebody. 
And several people texted in and said they have that same dream. How does that happen? How is it in my head and in somebody else's head? So dreams go all the way back to, like, Freud. It's all your subconscious. It's all your psyche. So you could have the similar dreams, but yet it's what's happening in your life. The best person to interpret your dream is actually you. So for your dream, for instance, you're defending your family, but you can't bring yourself to punch somebody. Yeah. So the first question I would ask you is, who in your family do you feel like you're defending your family from? Usually it's like in-laws, yeah. close friends. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, it's probably my daughter's boyfriend. I, I mean, she's 20, and I still haven't adjusted to the fact that she's that she's got a boyfriend. So, I mean, I... Correct. Um, uh, and see, you're unable to defend that. Yeah. I, see, I would because think... she's 20. I, <laughs> I would think that, you know, I'm a guy with glasses, and nobody should be trying to start a fight with me anyway. I thought that's what you are going to say. Is, is a, um, no. Shu, you mentioned uh, that there are several dreams that you have on a right. regular basis. So, I don't know if this is because I'm in a pressurized cabin, but every time I fly... I have the same dream, and I can't. I can never sleep on an airplane because of it. I'm in a school bus. I'm the only one. I'm sitting like halfway back, and the bus is going over a cliff. And that's when obviously I wake up, you know, yeah. screaming. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's is it like a physical thing because you're on a plane right. and you have that same dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's your own fear of flying. You just see it as a. You just see it as a bus going off of a cliff it's just a different vehicle of transportation but going off a cliff you'd still be flying so Mm. it's your fear of crashing what am i what might i not come back to right okay so even though i i don't feel like i'm afraid to fly there's that deep-seated there's something in you that you're like um i hope i hope i make it to the ground yeah yeah what is the most common dream is is are we able to are, are we able to determine that Honestly, I'm not sure. For me, it's always like the fear of flying, falling. Yeah. I get a lot of questions on those. What does that I mean? I get a lot of questions. The fear in falling is just you're afraid of walking through life, like what's coming next. Yeah. So it's almost like being afraid of the challenges that are coming towards you. Yeah. So it's what if I fail? It's our, it's our nature to feel like we can't fail. Mm. When as a society, we need to learn that when we fail... We're actually learning. True. It's part of our learning curve. Yeah. All right. right. What are what are some other popular? What do you hear about from those who are working? My teeth are falling out. Teeth. Yes, are falling that out. was mentioned on the show. It was. Yeah. 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 A lot of people with their teeth falling out, and what that is, it's we're worried about getting old. Oh. Yeah. Our, van- our our vanity. Um, some of it is maybe you're not speaking your truth. Maybe somebody at work, say your boss, is really really annoying you. But you can't speak up. You can't say nothing. So it's mm. kind of like the swallowing of the tongue. Some people, their teeth will fall out and they'll get their teeth get stuck. <laughs> oh, so, so they're not speaking up. Something in them, they need to get something out of them. They need to tell somebody something, and they mm-hmm. can't. We often, But a lot of it, too, is vanity. We often hear uh, during Inside the Simple Male Mind, mostly from women who have had a uh, a dream that their husband is cheating is that a is that a very common dream and, and is that sometimes that's called projecting is is that what's going on yeah. there um a lot of women do have that dream actually yeah. a lot of men do too they just don't always admit it yeah 
I used to have that dream a lot when I was younger. Hmm. What that is, it's you know, your own insecurities. Okay. So Am if- I not meeting this person's needs? And we don't see it that way because we're not looking at ourselves in the dream. It's very real. And we're like, what are you doing? So but it, yeah, it's our actually it's actually our own insecurity of not meeting the other person's needs or feeling like we might not be good enough for the person we're with. Oh, very very oh, interesting. Because I've had that dream a few times, and I wake up so angry at my wife. <laughs> I can't even talk to her sometimes. No, yeah. I, I was at one point where I woke up, and my husband was like, "If I looked at him, he's like, oh, you had a dream, okay? Just yeah. Yeah. give you a coffee.' And because mm-hmm. you do, you wake up from a lot of dreams feeling it's very real. You wake up with those what I call dream emotions. Yeah, it seems very real. And you kind of have to let it slide away. A lot of people were talking um, about dreams involving work and a job that they do, and they show up, they do that. Like, I've had this dream where I show up to to be on the radio, and I can't talk into the microphone, or I can't You can't can't make anything work. I can't make the buttons work. I've had the same exact dream. What's that all about? Same thing. It's, am I doing my job properly? Am I, where am I going? Am I going to go any higher in this profession? Mm-hmm. You know, not getting stuff to work is you're afraid you might not meet the expectations. I would say for you of your listeners, yeah. am I, am I doing my job? Am I giving them what they need? Well, that's what I try to do every single day. I try to give these, I've given so much to these people. I have bled for these people and that's, uh, you're a hundred percent right. Still, you can't get over it. Um, Yeah. And we're not, and you got to come to the conclusion that we're never going to satisfy everyone that we work for. Yeah. Whether it's our boss, whether it's clients, whether it's your listeners. Some people are going to be like, well, that episode wasn't good. And like 95% of the other people were going to love it. But that 1% of didn't like it is going to stay in your mind. What is the strangest dream that somebody has told you about? It's really, it was a really easy one for me, but it was, to me, it kind of made me laugh. Um, I had somebody call me saying that they kept trying to fit a, a twin sheet on a full-size bed. <laughs> yeah. And they kept having this dream reoccurrently, and they were very upset about it. So I, I kindly asked them in a very nice way, have you been trying to lose weight? Oh. Have you been worried about your weight? And they were, they were like, how did you know that? And the bed sheet, the bed represented them and the sheet represented their clothes. Ah, Things weren't fitting like oh, they used yes. to. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. I've never had that so dream. So it's a, it's a, light of psych, a lot of psychology with dreams. Yeah. We have a guy on our show, LB, who actually needs to wear a king size sheet as a shirt. Right, he's Because yeah. he hasn't lost, he hasn't lost yeah. his weight. Um <laughs> Well, can, can, yes. can I ask one a, a, a dream I have the most, a type of dream that's always kind of different, is being back at high school or college, but I'm I am the same age as I am now. I know it sounds creepy. It does, right? Is, yeah. But it's like I I have to go to school again, and I have the schedule in front of me, but I can't seem to find my way around, even though I know exactly where I am. Uh, do Do you get anything like that? <laughs> That's a very common dream. Okay. The other, the other part of that dream that's very common is people are back in high school, and they can't remember their locker number. Yeah, I get stuff like that, yeah. Like, oh, why can't I open my locker? I've had this locker for four years. Why can't I open it? So it's about you going back into maybe because you're getting older. You're looking back at your past, what you used to be. Mm. 
and not being able to open the locker is like maybe you can't exercise the way you used to. Maybe you used to be able to run 10 miles, but now mm-hmm. you can only run one. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're not what you used to be, Shu. I, I've, that's it's, pretty evident. And, and I don't mean it in a negative way. It's right. just no, he's we're on... looking at, as we get older, we look at our younger selves. In my mind, I'm still 18. Yeah. But your body is going, sorry, not, not really. Okay, so I, it's like I have, uh, say, I, I think I'm younger than I really am. Is that what that's saying? You're on Life's Back 9. I mean, it's well, we've, we've already documented that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. But, yeah, that's that's kind of what it's like. It's like you're looking back at your past. Um, it's almost like you're grieving your youth. And another way to look at it is maybe you're being too serious in life mm-hmm. and you need to have more fun. And in high school and in college is when we used to have the most fun. Yeah. Yeah, you're that's darn, for sure. You're it's right before about that. Yeah. responsibilities kicked in. Right now, I have a I have a family, I have a house, yeah. I have responsibilities. Yeah, and the show you got to produce. Yeah. The show. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. So it's 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 all that stuff. It's looking back, going you. So, so really, you might want to have a little bit more fun to take away a little bit of the stress. Huh. Really, our dreams are a reflection in, in. It seems like in most cases of the anxiety or the the fears that we have that that maybe is not consciously we're not consciously aware of it but it's hanging around there in our subconscious and that's when it comes out some of them yes okay are there any a lot of them are there any dreams that are just that aren't that aren't like anxiety filled that are just like like what's a well i people have like a yeah i and i don't have it so much anymore but when i was younger i used to be able uh to in my dreams jump not necessarily fly but jump like as high as like jetliners, oh. like thirty thousand feet into the air, really, and be able to jump and then land safely. What's that all about? It's it's just knowing your superpower. Yeah, yeah. see, Greg, yeah. That's, okay. it's it's to me. It's just knowing. Not all dreams are fear based. Some of them are desire based. Some of them are um, what you want out of life. Yeah. Some of them. Some dreams are very prophetic, and they're trying not to let you know. Your subconscious is letting you know. This is the direction you want to go in. For instance, my whole life I've been able, I've been psychic, I've been a medium, but I was closed down. So I always had a dream about finding, um, in the attic, finding a spare room in a house on the second floor. And when I got there, it was empty. And when I went to tell people, when I got back, it was gone. When I came out and started doing what I'm supposed to do with my life, I had a dream that I found that room and it was filled with all kinds of stuff. And it was stuff from when I was a child all the way up to adulthood, like my favorite comforter, one of my favorite pictures. And in the dream, I called my family and said, look what I found. I've had it my whole life. Mm. Wow. So my dream was telling me I had something I wasn't using. Right. Oh. Right. Like and for me, I that would be it, uh... it validated for me. For me, that would be the treadmill that I've had in the house forever that I haven't uh, that I haven't <laughs> used. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, listen. Is it possible for those who have questions about their dreams to contact you? Absolutely. How do they do that? Um, I have a website. It's MaryJo-Guadalupe.com. Dot com. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, and they can they can look me up on that and. I charge $30. I do phone readings. And I will be doing a dream interpretation class up in Melrose on the 23rd of September. Where's that at? Um, it's going to be at Zuzu's Healing Arts. Okay, great. Well, maybe we'll see you there and we'll tell you more about our dreams. And thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
What do you think it means if you have a recurring dream that you're naked and you're at the drive-thru of Carly Joe's Bikini Barista Stand? Is your uh, asking for a friend? Are you driving a stick? Uh, <laughs> is that code? I don't know. No, you tell me. I'm ordering a uh-huh. stick, a oh, coffee stick, that, a jelly right? stick, a cruller, <laughs> yes, a hard yes. cruller. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank <laughs> wow. you very much for listening to Extra Sauce. You can subscribe if you enjoy the art, the artistry of Mike Shu. You can subscribe. <laughs> on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Extra Sauce. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.